0: share with you this morning that um I, I mentioned to you before we started um that uh last night for whatever reason was uh a night of sort of intermittent sleep um for my wife and I we were kind of restless and in the middle of all that um back and forth God was sort of speaking to our hearts. And, um, God, there was something that kept going over, 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 and over in my mind last night, uh, that God was speaking to my heart. Uh, and it was just kind of going on a loop and a loop and a loop and a loop. And I want to share that with you today, if I can. Um, and, uh, let's go, if I want to read a couple of passages of scripture, if I can do this, so we're sort of going to bookend it if we can. Um, we're going to book in two portions here, um. In the gospel of John, we're going to go John chapter one and then we're going to go to the uh, almost the end to John chapter 20. And um, I want you to see something here that's bookend. Uh, John chapter one um, is going to be um, where we're going to start. And we're going to go to verse number. Oh, let's try verse number 32 would be a good place to start even though kind of in the middle of the story, it's a good place to jump in for time's sake. Verse 32, And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. And I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. Now, again, in case you don't know the story, This is the moment that Jesus is recognized by John the Baptist to be the Son of God, the Lamb that takes away the sin of the world. This is a big, pivotal, revealing moment of Jesus' Christ, uh, Jesus' identity um, of being the Christ. And so this is not just a, a formality. This is a huge moment of revelation because up until this point, he was Jesus the son of Joseph and Mary, the carpenter. But now John the Baptist, who at the time had become a very, uh, very um, popular, um, even though he was sort of on the, on the fringe, he was a very popular voice uh, in the, uh, of that time. And so when John acknowledges this and who Jesus is, this is a pivotal moment. So verse 35, he says, Again the next day John stood with two disciples, two of his disciples, and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned, seeing them following, said to them, What do you seek? Then he said to him, Rabbi, which which is when translated teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, Come and see. Now, if we could, uh, if you have a Bible and you would like to join along with me, you can go to John chapter 20. This is right near the end. John chapter 21 would be the end of John 21, so this is right before that. And again, this is a very famous, uh, if you want to call it that, passage of Scripture. We have John the Baptist in the beginning of John chapter 1, baptizing and anointing and acknowledging Jesus as the Lamb of God, as the Son of God. And then we end that with another passage after Jesus Christ has been crucified and buried. We have the uh, scene in which Mary goes to the tomb. And verse number 11 of John 20. But Mary stood outside the tomb weeping and she wept. And when, as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. She saw two angels White and white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now, when she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, and did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And then he asked the question again. Remember, what was the question he asked in John chapter 1? He asks again in John chapter 20. Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be a gardener, said to him, sir, if you knew, if you have, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabbi, Rabbi wishes to say, teacher, Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and spoke, came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. So we're booked in on John chapter one and John chapter 20 with this question, whom are you seeking? And uh, even though the answer to that seems to be quite easy to answer, well, we're seeking Jesus. Last night during my interrupted sleep, every time I would seemingly come out of my sleep or as I was kind of drifting back into sleep, this question was on repeat in my mind over and over and over again Who are you seeking? Who are you seeking? Who are you seeking? What are you seeking? Who are you seeking? What are you seeking? Who are you seeking? And 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 when I say that, literally it was like a loop playing in my head. And after doing this now for over 20 years, I acknowledge quickly and recognize quickly that that was God speaking to me about what he wanted me to talk about for a few minutes today. Because that question is the most pivotal question that any of us can answer today. I'm not talking about those of you that may be joining us for the very first time, and maybe you're just beginning your journey with Jesus Christ, or maybe those of you that are finding your way back into connection with Jesus Christ. This is not a question that's only for a certain group of people. This question is universal. This question is for those who have walked with Jesus for 10 minutes to those who have walked with Jesus for 10 years, who may be those who have walked with Jesus for much longer than that. This is a question that's at the core of all of this. Because we see sort of booked in on this two different, two different, uh, Individuals, but the same question is asked. In the beginning, we see the question asked towards two men who were desiring to find something new, desiring to find something real. They were following John the Baptist. They were his disciples because John had preached this powerful message of repentance that was actually drawing people out of the city into the wilderness to hear a man who ate locusts and dressed in camel's hair. Not exactly somebody you would seemingly want to follow or listen to but his message was so compelling and powerful and convicting that he drew people out of the city and they would listen to him and and so these men were already following that and so when Jesus comes along and there's this acknowledgment by John of who Jesus is they picked up that story by saying to Jesus hey who are you and Jesus kind of kind of looks at them and says well, who are you seeking But then we're bookend by the end of this John, the the Gospel of John, by this other sort of seemingly uh, 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 similar question of whom are you seeking? But now it's 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 in reference to another person. Now this person is not exactly like the first two. This is Mary Magdalene. This is a person who who had this intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, who knew Jesus, had walked with Jesus. But he asks again, who are you seeking? And when you look at both of these sort of questions and who they were being asked to and whom they were being asked to and, and what's the purpose of this, I think really it reflects back to you and I today and maybe the question that God's asking all of us. Who are you seeking? What are you seeking? You see, because there's sort of two aspects of this that, that are... that that you have to kind of look at if if you really want to answer that question and and the first one being that um we have americanized the bible and what i mean by that is is that we have looked at the bible through an american perspective and have interpreted the bible through an american ideology and i'm not here today i understand and respect the sensitivity of the events of the last week. I'm not here today to speak on that at all. I'm making a point separate from that. So if you think I'm trying to infer anything of happened for the last week or even try to bring that into this conversation, I am having nothing to do with that. That is a separate thing. I'm speaking of the fact that we as Americans who live with this standard of living, this idea of living, where we have this American dream before us, we have brought that interpretation into Scripture. And therefore, our quest for God, is it really a quest for God, or is it a quest to fulfill the American dream, but just do it through God, because we haven't been able to fulfill it through other means? And I mean that because... I'm not speaking ill of anyone, but I say that because I have heard and watched so many people talk about God as God wants you to be wealthy and healthy and blessed and you have this and you have that. Well, that's not necessarily the Bible. That's the American dream. The American dream is be healthy and wealthy and retire wealthy and live out your days in your retirement home and go to... The village is in Florida, America's friendliest hometown, as the commercial has said a thousand times. And so we have this aspect that that's our dream, right? We want to work until we can retire so we can relax our last remaining years, spend time with family and friends and grandkids and grow or we, we have all these things, or we want to acquire this or acquire that and get that next thing. And we talked about that last week, and not to get in that, in that again, I would encourage you to go back and watch last week. But because of that, we have Americanized the Bible. We have interpreted the Bible through an American lens, and we have interpreted the Bible through an American means, and therefore, seeking Jesus, are we seeking Him? Well, of course I'm seeking Him. Well, okay, but when you seek Him, what are you wanting to find when you get Him? Are you seeking Him for your gain? Are you seeking Him... Because the fact if you get Him, He'll make your life wonderful and joyous and everything's going to be great and every prayer you have is going to be answered. And If you've got debt, He's going to pay off your debt. If you've got a junky car, He's going to give you a new car. If you've got a small house, He's going to give you a big house. If you've got holes in your clothes, He's going to give you new clothes. And therefore, seek Jesus because here's all that goes with it. And unfortunately... And I say this in no way being negative or in any way trying to point fingers at any individual. I'm speaking of a collective whole. If you listen to most people nowadays, most preachers, they are no longer selling Jesus. They're trying to sell you the American dream disguised under the idea of Jesus. Because come to Jesus and you'll be blessed. Come to Jesus and you'll have all this stuff. Come to Jesus and everything in your life's going to be great. Can he bless you? Yes. Can he heal you? Yes. Can he make your life put back together again? Yes. But you don't come to him because of what he can do for you necessarily. Because here's the problem with that if you come to him for what he can do, you're going to fall into the same trap that in just a moment I'm going to show you that they fell into. Because if we go back to this very first one, an example in John chapter 1, and there's a couple of phrases I want to bring to your attention today in the first part of this, John chapter 1, and I want to bring to you a couple of uh, of of Examples Here, John is starting off this passage by verse 35, making the statement, Behold the Son of God, the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God. That word behold is not necessarily a big dramatic entrance of behold. That's not what the word behold there, but behold is bigger than that behold is it is 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 an idea of 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 revelation of of an opening of eyes it was more of it wasn't just an announcement behold the son of god it was more of a of a revelation that this is the lamb of god that this guy is not just another guy he's not just a carpenter from nazareth but this This guy that you're looking at is the Lamb of God who's to take away the sins of the world. And in that revelation, something must have hit those two disciples that day because when they heard those words, they immediately, the Bible says, they followed Jesus. Now, that's great, right? Wow, that's awesome. Behold the Lamb of God. Let's follow him. Of course, Jesus sort of turned around and said, hey, guys, come along. This is going to be great. We're going to take over the world. But it's amazing to me that as they begin to follow him, Jesus and his response to them following him, in his response to them following him, turns to them and says to them, what do you seek? Now, that doesn't seem like a question you would want to ask people if you're trying to build a crowd. If you're trying to win a popularity contest, you don't turn to your newest members and basically ask them a question that could potentially put them on the defensive and send them away. You don't turn to them and say, what do you seek? You turn to them and say, hey guys, congratulations, you are now the two newest members of the club, I want to give you a t-shirt and you're going to get a special seat and you guys are going to get all the inside. I mean, you're going to have the members only access to everything I'm going to say. Come on, guys, this is going to be great. But yet he turns to them and asks them this question. What do you seek? And here is the powerful response. There is a powerful response. They turned to him and they said to him, they addressed him, Rabbi. But then they give this this answer that is absolutely. And I know at first glance you go, "Really, that's powerful." But I want you to understand the context of it. They say to him, Rabbi, where are you staying? Wow. I mean, I imagine when they when Jesus asked this question, and I know this is Joel's version. My versions can be a little squirrely. I get it but this is how I see this happening. I see Jesus turns to them with this kind of straight face and says, what do you seek? And they look at Jesus without even batting an eye and they say, where are you staying? And I just can see Jesus just busting out in a big smile and say, come and see. Because you have to say, you got to get this. If I was in that situation, I don't know if I would have given that answer. I, I I try my best when I'm trying to read scripture. I put myself into the story. That's how I, I that's how I learn. That's how I see. I, I I don't know how you do it. I think we all have our own ways. But for me, I'm like I I, I I'll try to immerse myself into the story. I wanna I wanna know what would I what what would I be looking at, what would I be smelling, what would, what would be the sounds. I I want the Bible to be a full immersive experience. I've spent a lot of time studying culture and archaeology and and uh, uh, just different things that when I read a story in the bible i 'm not just reading this sort of uh, text that 's separated by two thousand years, but when i 'm reading a story because of the things that I know, I, I want to put myself into this story, and so I, I want to know what would I be looking at what would what would I be wearing what would what would I see what would I smell what would what would be the surroundings and so many stories in the gospels, especially. Come to life for me because I I can I can see myself there. I'm not saying I'm seeing the right thing. You might see one and I may see another. But for me, that's how I've I've learned and God has shown me and I, and He's brought revelation in my heart. So in this situation, I, I kind of ask myself, all right, I'm I'm following this guy John. He's dressed in camel's hair and he's eating locusts. He's a little bit of a loose cannon, but He was compelling enough that I left the confines of the city and came out to the wilderness to hear him. So obviously I'm engaged. And I'm sitting there and I'm coming out, more than likely if I'm a disciple of his. I've been coming out quite a while. So I've got that background. I've I've already got some kind of established connection and relationship to John. And John's talking to me about God. And he's telling me of the one who's going to come. And so I got that background, but all of a sudden, this guy shows up on the scene that no one seems to know who he is. And he shows up on the scene, and the guy that I'm following turns to this guy and says to this guy, Behold the Lamb of God! Now, I am by nature, I don't say this proudly, but I am by nature a skeptic. I am by nature a skeptic. I am not someone. Uh, I I I'm a skeptical person. I, I when 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 you when you tell me something, my response usually is going to be, "Well, tell me why." I want to dig beyond the surface. I, I'm a I'm a I'm a dig deep kind of guy. If you know anything about real colors, I've got a lot of green in me. Some of you have no idea what that means. But you'll understand if you understand real colors. I, I'm i I'm a thinker. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a dig deep, kind of guy. And so if I'm in that moment and he turns to these guy, this guy and says, Behold the Lamb of God, my first reaction is going to go, Huh? That guy? Huh. Really? Kind of looks like a carpenter to me. Mm, I don't know. I don't know. Really? You mean to tell me you've been talking about this guy that was going, going to come to take away the sins of the world, and that's the dude? Really, really, John? Really, John? John, really? Did you eat? Did you eat too many locusts this morning? Did is the camel hair a little tight today? Because uh, that does not compute for me. Now I get it. I may be in a small boat with that, but I, I may not jump right on the bandwagon right away. And and even though there was a, a um uh there was this moment of baptism and all this stuff i i'm still i'm still i'm i'm not quite bought into it yet, but these guys must have felt something or known something that that maybe you know they talk about some people have intangibles you know they just they have the it factor I don't know what the it factor is. Apparently, if you have the it factor, you don't know you have the it factor, but everyone knows you have the it factor. And if you don't have the it factor, there's no way to get the it factor. So you have the it factor, you don't have the it factor, but you go I don't know if Jesus had the it factor. He must have had the it factor because these guys immediately were willing to change course, direction just like that. These were these were these were two guys who had left the confines of the city to follow this Crazy dude, wearing, eating locusts and wearing camel's hair. And then this new guy walks on the scene, and immediately they're like, let's go, we're following him. He's our new, here's, here's our, he's our guy. Now, the Jesus that I, that, I, that I think I know, I picture Jesus as, as perceiving all of this and knowing all this and, and turning to these guys and say, you have made the right choice. You guys get it, man. Come on, let's go, let's go do this thing. We're gonna go take over the world. We're gonna go show the world who I am. And you guys are a part of the club. In fact, I tell you what, I'm gonna make you a part of my special 12. And you guys are in the inside club. Come on. That's what I would expect. Kind of maybe if I was Jesus, I'd have done that. You know? Two guys started following you, I'd have turned and say, you guys. I mean, he did that to Peter, right? When Peter, he said, who do say am?" them? Peter said, you know, they said this and that. And he said, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And he said, congratulations, Peter, because you have been revealed. This did not come through flesh and blood, but this is revealed to you by my father. Congratulations. In fact, I'm going to put you at the head of the class. And upon this rock, I will build my church. You are awesome, Pete. You'd think he would have done that. But to these guys, he, he turns on them, looks them in the eye, and asks them a revealing question. What do you seek? And man, if you could have come up with a better response, I don't know how you could have come up with a better response. Because if I was in their shoes, I probably would have gone, I seek you. You're the Lamb of God. I seek you, I want to know you, I want to fellowship with you, I want to walk with you, wherever you go. I'd have probably given some kind of Hallmark card answer. But they give this answer that it was so simple, but so profound and revealing. They looked at him and they said to him, Rabbi, where are you staying? And I can just see Jesus cracking a smile. And go, come and see. You see, when Jesus turned to them and said, what do you seek? He knew what was going on. He, he's, he revealed, the Bible talked about so many times how he understood and perceived the heart. But you see, I said the beginning when we talked earlier, is that the Bible talks about God standing at the door knocking. And it's so kind of somewhat profound to me that the creator of all and the king of kings, the lord of lords, knocks. Why doesn't he just come on in? Because there's this sort of buffer that is between us and him and that is this thing called our will, our choice, our desires. And God's constantly trying to reveal our heart to us because the Bible says no one knows its heart. So God's always trying to reveal our heart, so he can deal with it. Sometimes he reveals things we don't like. Other times he reveals stuff in us that, well, wow, that was in there. That's great. To me, this was one of those moments where he looks at them and he says, what do you seek? And they say, where are you staying? Which was inferring something beyond just simply we want to know you or we want to follow you. They were inferring the fact, where are you staying? Meaning, we want to go with you wherever you go and follow you no matter what. We're not just seeking you because you're the next thing or the hot new thing or you're the next fad of the fashion or you're the next trend on TikTok or the next like on Instagram or you the next post on Facebook. We're following you because there's something bigger and so therefore we're not asking you to give us wisdom or we're not seeking to know you because you are the next great rabbi of Israel. We want to know where are you staying? We're not looking for what you can do for us. We want to go wherever you go. We want to follow wherever you follow. What are you seeking today? What do you want from God today? What are you seeking, God, today? Are you come simply, and I say this because he can do this. I'm not speaking again. But are you come today because, well, I need peace in my life. Okay, yes, he can give you peace. Well, I need joy in my life. Okay, he can give you joy. Well, my marriage is falling apart. I need him to fix my marriage. Okay, he can do that. Or, 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 or I need help in my life because my life falling apart. Can he do that? Yes, 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 yes. He can do all of that. Absolutely. But there's something greater to all of this. It's not just seeking what He can do. But He wants you to seek Him. Because here's the point. If you only seek Him because He'll bring you peace, guess what's going to happen? He's going to bring you peace, but life's going to come along. And you're going to have another moment of to the battle of peace. And guess what? If this world or things around you offer you another solution, you're going to take that solution because it's going to be an easier path. And because you're not seeking him, but you're seeking for what he can do for you, when the choice comes, it's going to be easy for you to seek the other side and not him. So when Jesus said, what are you seeking? I think he was trying to get them to stop for a moment and go, if you're just seeking me because I'm the hot new thing on the block, I'm the next trend of Israel, you're way mistaken this. Because... I don't know if you're willing to go on the path. You're going to be rejected. You're going to be persecuted. You're going to be laughed at, scoffed at. You might have to leave your family. And in the end, guess what? I'm going to be on a cross and you're going to be locked up in a room scared to death. That's what I'm asking you to do. Before you sign up for that, let me ask you something. What do you seek? And they looked at him and they say, where are you staying? Which is basically answering, no matter where you go, we're going to go. Are you seeking God today because he is your means to the American dream? That he's going to be your way to blessings and wealth and happiness and all your dreams coming true? Are you seeking him because you want him, even if nothing changes in your life? I'm not saying that nothing will change. Yes, he can bring change. No doubt. He is the the God of change. He's healed me, changed me, all of those things. I'm not taking those off the table. I'm asking you this. Are you willing to seek Him and find Him even if that means nothing in your life changes like you would want it to, but you get Him? Because if you get Him, you get everything. If you get Him, you get everything. Whether or not that everything is something you can change. I think right now, I don't know. I didn't check the news this morning. I don't know. Did someone win the half-billion-dollar lottery? I don't know. I don't know if they won it or not or not. I didn't, I didn't hear any news or any alerts that said that someone did. Maybe they did, but if not, there were two lotteries, the Powerball and the Mega Millions. Yes, I know what the Powerball and Mega Millions are. Don't condemn me. I do go to 7-Eleven. It's right there. And yes, I am human, and I can dream what it would be like to win that kind of money. The Powerball and the Mega Millions is like, I was a half million dollars. What?! Two dollar ticket can win you half million dollars. Trust me, I've asked, I've had negotiations with God, but God, you know, you know, I, if I win, I mean, I'm willing to give you all of it. Just give me a little portion of it. I mean, come on, you know me, Jesus. Let me win. <laughs> Doesn't work quite that way. But you know what? Is is willing is is coming to God like when it is playing that playing that your ticket that if you get God, all of a sudden all these things are gonna come to you all these blessings and riches and wealth are those things a part of the package deal yeah they are but you see they may bring you but they won't keep you you may have come to God because your life was a mess but you won't stay with him because your life was a mess You might find him because you were broken, but will you stay with him after he's made you whole? You might find him today because you feel lost, but will you stay with him once he's found you? You might come to him today because you are absolutely at the end of your rope and you don't know where to go, but will you stay with him when you have plenty of rope and you're not at the end? It's amazing to me. I watched it at the beginning in March when all of us were sent to our homes to quarantine. We've never had that happen. Ever. We've never experienced that. And we're all hunkered down in our homes. All the places were closed around us. We're stuck at home. And all of a sudden, everybody's online and everyone's saying, you gotta repent. You gotta change. God wants change. And we're all like, oh God, we're in quarantine. COVID is wreaking havoc. God, we want you. And all of a sudden the governor or the president, whoever else was in charge, comes on and says, hey, by the way, we're going to let you leave your house. We're going to let you come back and do this and do that. And all of a sudden, thanks. Okay, I'm out. I'm out. And what's so amazing to me, and I'm not getting on the COVID train. I know I'm tired of COVID. I'm so past COVID. But what's amazing, if somehow today COVID suddenly and miraculously disappeared. I said this a couple weeks ago on a Tuesday talk. If suddenly, somehow, today, magically, poof, Dr. Fauci got online and says, by the way, I just want to let you know, magically, we have no idea why, but COVID has disappeared off the face of the earth. We would all probably celebrate, yes, absolutely, but in three weeks' time, would you just be back to normal? Would God be over there on his little shelf would it be a token? Would it be a little statue in the corner? Would it be that thing you visited on Sundays? Took down off the shelf, dusted off, put it in front of you and said, Oh, I bow before you, great God. Okay, Sunday's over, back on the shelf for Monday. You see, that's really what Jesus was asking when he told them, What do you seek? Are you seeking? What are you really seeking? And they said to him, Where are you staying? Meaning, we're not just seeking you because of you. We're seeking to go wherever you go. We're willing to go. We booked that book in that with the last portion that we read in John chapter 20, the very famous story of Mary coming to the tomb and not finding Jesus and turning and seeing a man standing there. And this question is asked to her by this perceived gardener who she didn't even uh, know who it was at first and he asked the question woman why are you weeping whom are you seeking and she says to him thinking he was a gardener just tell me where you've laid him tell me tell me and I'll I'll go to him and, and, and I just want to be with him and he says to her Mary 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 kind of jolting her and kind of bringing her to her senses. Mary. Mary. All of a sudden, she realized something. The Bible says she clung to him. I wrote this down this morning in reference to that. I want to read it to you for just a moment in kind of comparison And I want to read this to you as I close here today. As we come to Mary weeping outside the tomb, what in fact is she looking for? She's gone to the tomb early in the morning in search of a dead body. She's looking for a corpse, a remnant of possibilities lost and hopes dashed. Whom does she seek? Jesus, of course, but Does she seek Jesus as he is, for who he is, or for who she thought him to be? Wanted him to be? Settled for him to be? Is she looking for her own image of Jesus? certainly appears so. After hearing his own name from his lips, she turned to him and said, Rabbi. Rabbi, and Jesus immediately tells her, don't touch me, don't cling to me. Now that seems like a harsh statement to make to Mary who is sitting there in this moment of of weeping and she grabs a hold of him and he says, don't touch me. How mean is Jesus? Why why won't Jesus let her hug? Come on, Jesus. But you know what? That word don't touch me doesn't mean physically touch. I mean, later on he asked Thomas to touch. So it wasn't like Jesus was against being touched. That word there we said, don't touch me, literally, in the King James, New King James, it actually translates it correctly. Cling to me. Which means Jesus perceived something in Mary... Mary was trying to cling on to what Jesus used to be. How she used to see Jesus. And in fact, what she wanted Jesus to be. And how she wanted to see Jesus. And the fact she was missing the brand new revelation of who Jesus was. And he asked her, who are you seeking? And she looked at him and said, I'm seeking Jesus. And he's like, no, you're not. Forgive me for getting a little passionate today. Because he looked at her and said, You're not seeking. He didn't say that. He didn't rebuke her. But that's really what he's inferring. She says, he says, Who are you seeking? And she says, just tell me where you've laid him. And he, he finally looks at him. And I love, I love, I love, I love, I love. I, I, the 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 uh the the John, if you're reading out of the New King uh New King James Version, it says Mary, exclamation point. Meaning it wasn't just Mary. Mary, I think there was a little bit of oomph behind that. It was more of Mary, Mary, Mary. A little more like, wake up. Wake up, Mary. Wake up. I'm right here. And then even when he shows her, she response back there was, Rabbi. And she grabs a hold of him and he says, don't cling to me. Why? Because she wasn't seeing who Jesus had become because she was too busy seeing what he used to be. And he says, don't cling to me, meaning you got to let go of who I used to be. Yes, I was rabbi, but now I am beyond rabbi. I am Lord, I am Savior, I am King, I am Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end. I'm the resurrected one. You tore this temple down, but it's been built back up. This is who I am. If you can't let go of what you thought I was, you'll never see who I am. That was the rabbi who taught you, but this is the man who's going to save you. That's the one who gave you wisdom, but this is the one that's going to give you power and authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions. This is the one that's going to endue you with power on an high, and you will become witnesses to Jerusalem and to Judea. This is the one. But if you can't let go of who I was, you'll never see me for who I am. Can I tell somebody today that's a part of the Antioch West family? We've got to let go of who Jesus was pre-COVID so that we can get a hold of who Jesus is today. I'm not speaking out. There was nothing wrong with the fact that Jesus was rabbi and friend pre-death Burial and resurrection. But if she could not make that leap. And see who he was. She was clinging on to the past. That she could not embrace the present. And propel her to the future. And he says don't cling to me. You got to let me go. Somewhere in that Revelation hit her because when she went back to the disciples, verse 18 says, She came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord. Somewhere in that she finally let go of Rabbi and saw Lord God Father. So I want to read to you one more time as I close these words. What in fact was she looking for? She had gone to the tomb early in the morning in search of a dead body. She is looking for a corpse, a remnant of possibilities lost, hopes dash. Whom does she seek? Jesus, of course, but she does not seek Jesus as he is for who he is or for what, but she does seek Jesus as he is for who he is or for who she thought him to be and wanted him to be and settled for him to be. Is she looking for her own image of Jesus? She came looking for a corpse. And he came to her as a living body. She never desired that. Nowhere in her heart did that desire dwell. But seeing his living body, which confounds all expectations, is not yet enough. Does she see him? No, it seems that she still sees whom she thought he was, Rabbi. And he asks her, Mary, whom do you seek? A teacher who speaks good words. And that's okay. But that's not enough. She has a ways to go. As she moves according to his commission. Her understanding of him begins to change. And finally in verse 18. She says I've seen the Lord. Mary moves and opens up more fully to who Jesus is. But the recognition and corresponding proclamation happens once she acknowledges who he is. Who do you seek? Who do you seek? Do you seek him today for what he can bring to you? There's nothing wrong with that. But that's not good enough. Are you seeking him Do you see him as your lottery ticket? Do you see him as your rescuer? Do you see him as the one that will get you out of your trouble because you've made such a mess of it? But he can fix it. Can he? Yes, he will. Yes, he will. But he doesn't just want to be your fixer, your rescuer. He wants to show you who he is. What do you seek today? What are you looking for? What are you trying to find today? I feel like God has asked me that this morning. God's asked me that. Joel, what are you looking for? Why are you searching? What are you looking for? I've had to ask myself that question. I ask you that question. And just like Mary, the answer to that may require some of us to have to let go of some things that we thought we knew or some things that we used to know in order to embrace the revelation of what he's trying to show us. There's some things about the way God used to come to us that were perfectly okay for the time. But that was pre-grave. That was pre-death. That was pre-burial. That was pre-resurrection. We can't cling to those things anymore. We can't grab a hold of those things. Because if we do, we will stay in the past. And we won't embrace the power of the future. Because you see, between that moment, between the resurrection And the outpouring in Acts chapter 2, there was a decision that had to be made. Are you going to cling to Rabbi, or are you going to embrace the Spirit? Are you going to cling to what I can? Maybe God's asking some of us today, are you going to cling to religion? Are you going to cling to what your image of God is? If I said to you, what's your image of God, Where, where do you go to? Maybe you've got to let go of that to embrace where God is now. I don't speak negatively anything of that. I'm trying to challenge you because I feel like God's standing before some of you and you're going, "Uh, excuse me, sir, do you know where I can find Jesus? Uh, Excuse me, do you know where I can get an answer? And he's going, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. I feel like we're asking him for answers that he is the answer. We're asking him questions that he is the answer and the question. But we're too busy clinging to what we think he is that we can't let go to realize who he truly is. That's only something you can answer. So maybe there's some walls that need to come down. Maybe there's some ideology and thoughts that maybe you need to address to answer that question who do you seek? Who do you seek? I can talk about Jesus today. I can offer you Jesus. I can tell you all the great things about Jesus. That's wonderful. But in the end, it's going to come down to just like the revelation. John talked about Jesus. He's the Lamb of God, the Son, the the one to take away the sins of the world. I can't even, I'm not even worthy to buckle his shoes, must less baptize him. This guy is the one. But that wasn't good enough for those two disciples. They still had to answer the question, what do you seek? I can tell you about Jesus today, but the answer is going to come down between you and Jesus in a moment of transparency and privacy where he's asking you today, what do you seek? Who do you seek? Only you answer that question. Only you know that question. Father, I have done everything I know to do, spoken exactly what you've given me to say. I have not tried to add to or take it away from, but Lord, my words mean nothing My words have no life. They're no fruit. It's just the words of a man. But your words are life. Your words are hope. So today, Father, I speak by your power and your authority that a spirit of revelation would come upon each and every one of us. But more importantly than that, as you ask us this question, who do you seek? What do you seek? That we would not just give an answer for an answer's sake, but, Lord, it would be the posture of our heart that we would answer you. I just want you, Jesus. Nothing more, nothing less. I don't want my version of you. I don't want what I think you to be, but I want you. I want you. I want you to show me who you are like you want to show me. I want the version you want to show me. I don't want my version. I don't want religion's version. I don't want a theology's version or a doctrine's version or a church's version. I want your version of who you are to me. Show that to me. And Lord, don't let me be caught up in the past that I can't embrace the present and propel into the future. God, you see every single person watching today. You know exactly where they're at. You know where they where, what they're needing. And you're the answer you are the answer. You are the answer. I know you're the answer, but more than that, God, you're not just the answer to a question. You are the author and the finisher. You're the source. But God, you, I want you even if nothing changes. I want you even if you don't heal me. I want you even if you don't put my life back together again. Where are you? Where are you? I want to find you, know you, see you. Reveal yourself to us today. Make yourself known and real in Jesus' name. Why don't you tear down the walls and let God show you who he is today.